We're back at Hamsterdam. I'm Rusty, joined by Sean. It has been Sean. far too long. It has been. I know you had some crazy stuff going on, running marathons and everything, and then I had this dumb test I was just studying for, and I'm still trying to get back on the uh, the riding wagon. That uh, thing called life. But it feels so good to be back. Football season is just around the corner. A football season actually snuck up on me this year. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. It really snuck up on me this year, which never happens. This is the first time it's ever happened. But I was watching, I'm watching the countdown in the quack fix every day, and all of a sudden it changed once we hit 40 days. And we hit 39 days, and I was like, oh my god. It's happening! It's, it's like right now. And I realized basically how underprepared I am compared to where I am most of the time. So, like I said before the podcast, my goal basically is getting through finishing Phil Steele's college football guide uh, uh, this weekend. And then all of Bill C's stuff. So, I don't know if you saw uh, Bill C's Oregon football preview. I haven't seen it yet. Is it is it not good? It was bad. Oh, it's bad. It was I'm bad. like I was trying to I'm just trying to read all the stuff, like really feel good and read all the stuff that has us like people would be like, Oh, it was just a fluke last year, they'll be fine this year. Like I'm really I'm really trying to just tell myself everything is gonna be okay. Right. Actually let me clarify. Let me clarify. It was it was good in the sense that they actually there's one part of Bill C's preview that was bad and it was just horrendous and it was the chart the radar chart where it shows like defensive ratings and everything like or on offense obviously it looks good with like explosiveness and rushing and everything mm-hmm. um, but then you go to like defense and it is one of the basically you want it to be as big as possible the further you are out to the to the edges, the the better you are at like each of those things. Like if you looked at Miles Garrett, it's like a similar radar chart from Miles Garrett at the combine. It was like completely full. Mm-hmm. Like he's great at everything. He's one of the best at everything. When you look at Oregon's defensive radar, it is like a tiny little flower with most of the points at the very middle. And you just look at it, you're like, wow. Like, wow. We a visu- at, like A visualization <laughs> on how bad we are at everything. It really, it's really this chart. Like, it's one just thing to read, like, oh, we were 126 and, like, all this stuff. But it really puts it in perspective when you see how close everything is to the center. And it's just like, wow. Wow. That is bad. This was bad. Um, and I know I brought this up on a few podcasts already, but um, I think a lot of writers are optimistic about the turnaround on defense. Obviously, it's not gonna we're not gonna be like number forty or anything right out of the gates. Um, but you know, it's not gonna be <laughs> fingers crossed. Last year, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm out of the prediction business. I mean, like, oh, our defense can't get any worse at 122nd. We ended up at 126, so, you know. And there, there were other things that happened in 2016 that just I did not get right. A lot of things. 
I, I don't think I don't think many people got predictions right in 2016. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so basically, the big news story though today is Darren Carrington is now with Utah. I have so many opinions about this. Go. You are you have more opinions than I do. Yeah. There's only uh, one take I have on it, and that that it's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my takes. It's hilarious. So by now we all, you know, we all know the backstory. Uh, Carrington had himself a fun little night, decided, unfortunately, to drink and drive, which kids you should never do. Um, do we know if he drank, though? Because I remember in a, he got into he, it on Instagram with somebody who's like, not alcohol. He, well, I... I th- so I think with yeah I, I don't think there's any proof that it was alcohol. Um, so it's allegedly. It's allegedly because in because you when you get a DUI it's just driving under the influence and I think it's I I could be very wrong on this but I think it's kind of just an umbrella charge under like drugs and alcohol or basically anything that is impairing your ability to drive. Um, right. Such as going to a McDonald's drive-through and crashing into a pole. Uh, that would raise some red flags for sure. So that's what happened. Crashed into a pole. Uh, I'm guessing the staff at McDonald's called the police because Carrington took a right turn out of the driveway and then he was immediately pulled over and arrested around 3 o'clock in the morning. Like we've learned from How I Met Your Mother, nothing good happens after 3 a.m., including DUIs. So... Two weeks later, Willie Taggart kicked him off the program, just not even a warning, just one, you know, one strike and you're gone. Um, And that was, I think that was also, that was important for, you know, Taggart had to, he had to make a statement and he had to make an example out of Carrington because he basically just said, if you do anything that, that is remotely against the law or against team rules or just if you mess up at all, you're gone. You know, he's a no nonsense kind of guy. So I think that was like, wow, the the new guy in town just kicked off our best wide receiver just like that. You know, I, I think the last regime probably would have given him a slap on the wrist and give him a suspension for a few games or half the season or whatever. Um, but Willie Taggart just said, nope, there's the door. Uh, Do you really so, think though that in a vacuum in a sense that Willie Taggart like this penalty was like setting making him an example because it really didn't register with me how many problems Darren Carrington had in the past I I, yeah so I mean looking at this is like like almost it would be weird if he was still on the team yeah, because just this... for everybody to know, he and for, he tested positive for marijuana that had him suspended from the national title game. He pushed somebody and broke their arm. He also but, got hit with an open container charge while he was suspended. Oh, that's just dumb. I think they said. I think I read read in a report about when I was reading about the arrest that this was like his fifth run-in with Eugene police. Yeah, which is, like, at this point, it's just, like... Yeah, so... I don't don't necessarily feel like it's, like, making an example out of him. I feel like that's pretty much 
the natural order of things. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very it's a very convenient way for like Taggart to be like, I'm going to set an example out of the first person, which is what he said in one of his first press conferences. Like, one of these kids is going to try me. Try <laughs> yeah. me. Don't and try like, me. And you do not try Willie Taggart. Exactly. And so it's now it's just like, like players could be like, oh, he's not messing around or whatever. But it's like, Carrington also had it coming. I mean, in a yeah. way, it's like, can't be yeah. doing that much dumb stuff. Yeah. So he is, uh, he's off to Utah now. Um, and he's a, he's already graduated from Oregon. So he's, you know, I get, well, pending on how they handle his DUI, uh, he is theoretically going to suit up for them this year. Uh, and Utah and Oregon play October 28th in Eugene for anyone who wants to see him probably roam the sidelines in Utah sweats, but who knows, maybe he'll play. Um, but he's gonna play this year yeah something interesting that uh matt prem pointed out on twitter is killed me oh this was great um so utah has a sign in it's not clear where but it's somewhere in their ball facilities and uh, it's basically like their, you know, their mission statement, or it's their mantra that they have a section called core values. Um, it it goes: no drugs, honesty, treat women with respect, no stealing, and get this: no DUIs. It literally says no DUIs on core values. Well, now they're going to rehabilitate him, right? Because that's how that <laughs> so, works. Yeah, is it no DUIs asterisks while you're at Utah or uh, yeah, that seemed a little uh, uh I mean, you know, hey, what are what are values when, you know, winning football games is the first thing. So, yeah, I I don't know how he thinks he's going to get away with anything and it, it have you been to Salt Lake City? Uh there's not a lot to do. Utah's a dry campus, too. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe that was, uh, you know, maybe he, maybe that was part of his grand plan. Maybe he had a epiphany and was like, oh, man, I really need to get my stuff together. I should go somewhere where they don't drink alcohol. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. I'm sure that's exactly what you he know, was maybe thinking. Maybe I have a problem with alcohol. I'm going to go somewhere and fix that. I'm very positive that was... Yeah. Had nothing. It was not, not the a case. Not a football decision at all. Um, I don't. There's something that really gets, that really hits me right on the funny bone, when people have values until it's inconvenient for them to do so, to have those values. Mm-hmm. Not not in the sense of like, Hugh Freeze, where it's like ruined his life or whatever, temporarily, whatever. Um, but like in this in the sense where it's like. I'm gonna make an exception this time on like smaller things. We're just yeah. like we we don't allow DUIs, but if yeah. you're the best wide receiver from our conference rival, hmm, maybe yeah. we can make an exception here. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a little funny. Actually, it's very funny. But hey, you know they have a better group of receivers than they did previously. Mm-hmm. Um. Because they only had four starters coming back on offense. Yeah, I mean, they, two, of them, uh, two of them were wide receivers. 
The other was a right guard and their quarterback who is not really fantastic. It's not something where it's like, oh, yeah, this is a huge asset to have back. Um, yeah. They also um, they added a, a JUCO transfer named Josh Nurse, um, who uh, he had some he had offers from uh, Boise State, Iowa State, and he was also getting some interest from uh, from UCLA. Um, tapes look pretty good, so him and Carrington could make a nice little duo there. Yeah, it'll so, be interesting. Um, yeah, it'll be in October. So, how be do you think the Oregon crowd will react to him? Not, not positively. Not well. Not Maybe well. Some, some booze raining down. Yes, I think so. Yeah, it, it's it. Yeah, it. He didn't leave the program favorably. So, which is interesting because he. It was like his Rose Bowl performance was basically wiped out by missing the national championship game. Mm-hmm. And he had then had like a bunch of big plays that were wiped out by his like half-season suspension. Mm-hmm. And then he had like this year, which was kind of okay, but he didn't really do awesome. Obviously, there were some bigger problems within the offense that really hampered how effective some wide receivers were. But... I don't think that we've seen a player that was kind of so, like, made so many big plays be less liked. Yeah, it's like he... By by people on the internet, mostly. Which is obviously a good uh, uh, representative sample of the general population. But, I mean that sarcastically. Uh, But it's just... I can't remember another duck like that. Maybe Colt Lyerla. Yeah, that was he was another guy who made just big play after big play, but then he would just go do something stupid, and then that's all people remember him by. Right, like Lear Blunt did a lot of stupid. Like he he punched somebody after he a game. literally punched a man in the face and was suspended that like entire season and. We love Garrett Blunt, but we don't love Colt Lairla or Darren Carrington. Um, we we don't. Else. We don't mind if you punch a guy in the face, but don't be doing cocaine and don't go drinking and driving. Yeah, I, I'd rather somebody punch somebody else in the face than drink and drive. I don't know. That's dicey. Who knows? I don't know. I just said that off the cuff. I have no idea where I stand on many of these things right now. Um, <laughs> That, what what a day. Darren Carrington to the U's. Because that was a rumor last week that he visited. Yeah, it, it was in the... I guess it was, it's was. it been in the works for like the last week or so. Um, and I saw something on Twitter that there were other Pac-12 coaches that wanted him, but Utah kind of had control of the situation and I guess had dibs on him, if that's how it works. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, dibs. <laughs> Dibs, I called him first. You can't take him. Yeah. I wonder what other offers he had. I didn't hear anything about this. No, I mean the only the only thing I heard mumbling was was that it was gonna he was gonna look to transfer to a Pac twelve school, but I didn't hear 
I didn't hear specifics about which one. I wonder why you wanted uh, to stay in a Pac-12 school. To stick it to Oregon. <laughs> stick it to Oregon. So he picks USC. Who he missed this year. <laughs> yeah, that would be... I, th- I don't think many people would have gotten that joke. But yeah, because we missed USC this year. Unless we make it to the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> hey, hey, one can dream. Yeah, seriously, though. Yeah, we missed Colorado and USC this year. I never thought I'd be... I never thought I'd be sitting here and saying, wow, thank God we missed Colorado. We dodged a bullet there. I think they're going to be a big regression team. I think they're going to be good. Their backup last year was good. He played well, like especially against Oregon, but you know, everyone pretty much played well against Oregon. Except for Utah. Um... So, but basically, maybe we can dial into the wide receivers a little bit. So basically, now we have a huge problem on wide receiver because our returner is Charles Nelson, and then our backups, or basically now starters, are like Dylan Mitchell, um, who didn't play that much last year, but was like really highly ranked, um, basically coming out of uh, like really highly touted coming out of high school. God, I'm I'm looking at our our receiving core is so young. It's really young. They've all got like four stars, but they're just so raw. Yeah, I mean, and that's the problem we've seen with like just when throwing freshmen into the mix just usually doesn't end well. Um, right. So unless I mean, I mean, unless they're like you know top tier exceptional players, I mean, I'm like. Jalen Red, freshman. Uh, Daywood Davis, freshman. Johnny Johnson the third, freshman. Alfonso Cop, red, redshirt freshman. Malik Lovett, redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. You've got Charles Nelson, who's a senior. Who's not uh, like your standard receiver either. He's not really. I don't feel like no. he's really a true receiver. He's really he's a like. Utility guy. He's an athlete. Yeah. Like, he's an athlete that still plays in college. I don't think he's like a true traditional receiver in that sense yeah um and then so there's darian mcneil who enrolled early Mm -hmm. there's alex ofadile who has a lot of buzz but i don't think he's played any games um malik levitt was somebody who got tons of praise in the spring like tons so that's another possibility. Apparently, he's like the fastest guy on the team, which is saying something at Oregon. Um, and then Jacob Breland is a tight end, but it sounds like him and Herbert really connected well over the spring. So, I mean, but a general rule that you can kind of use to guide plug and play type players is the further they line up away from the football, the easier it is for them to start. So in that sense, it is much easier for a wide receiver to step in and play from day one than it is the center or the quarterback. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it, it's a I mean it, it it's a physical difference for one part. You know, it's you're you know when you're when you're in the trenches on the offensive line, a guy who. You know, and you're an 18 year old freshman at a high school. 
the guy who's the 22, 23-year-old senior who's been playing top-level college football for four years is going to dominate you, you know? Right. And I think it was kind of... I think that was a huge kind of bonus last year of all those freshmen playing it on the offensive line was they got so oh, much valuable experience. Yeah. Like that experience is going to go so far. You knew, yeah. You knew that was going to, like it was, yes, it was painful to watch for the season, but at the same time in the back of your head, you knew that like that was the most valuable experience they can get is just in game experience day in and day out. And like the, I mean, this is like it's. This is one of those teams that they, you know, they have the pieces where, in two to three years, they could be back on top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's oh. just. I think that Oregon's definitely going to be regressing to the mean this year. I think. Honestly, I feel like even if we had the same coaching as last year coming into this year, we'd get about six wins. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, there was. I stand by my takes during the year where I think Alfred should have gotten another year, but the Oregon State game really showed that there was a huge problem where it's just like this is just not working out. Like this is definitive. Like I was on the fence. I'd rather stick with kind of the formula that's got Oregon to where it is. But mm-hmm. After seeing the Oregon State game, it's just like this is just this is not going to work out. Like. And then, uh, and then all the articles came out afterwards about kind of the status of the program, and I was like, "Wow, that I, I don't know." <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the offensive lines are like Brady Aiello, sophomore; Shane Lemieux, sophomore; Jake Hansen, sophomore; Calvin Throckmorton, sophomore; Jake Pisser, Pisser chick. I don't know how you say his last name. Um, but he's a senior. Tyrell Crosby's a senior. And then, like, a lot of the other backups are, like, sophomore, redshirt freshman, freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore, redshirt freshman, sophomore. So, and I mean, really, if we get six wins this year, I'm psyched. Mm-hmm. I'm psyched. Because really what that means most is we get a lot more practices in the off season. Yeah, um, exactly. We get Just a lot more get, practices. Get back to a bowl game. That's That's really my only hope for the year is – you know, a bowl game would be fun. Yeah, because I mean that's what we that's what we talk about every season is you get those, you get the bowl game and then you know you get an extra three four weeks of practice. Yeah, and that's where that's where you can really develop your you know team for the future for all those guys that are just getting more reps, just getting more practice in, and um, so there's yeah there's a lot more value in going to you know, some bowl game that's going to be attended by 10,000 people. There's, there's, there's still a lot of value for the team there that fans might not see on the surface. Yeah. I mean, the practices are just like the biggest things. Um, but yeah, I think the offensive line gained like a ton of experience, especially like you said, 19 year olds just don't do well going against 23 year olds. No. had so much more time to physically mature. Um, which is so necessary when you have like 300 pounders going against each other. Yeah, exactly. So, which is why Jordan Scott is just absolutely amazing to me. 
So, I mean, he's my favorite player on the team right now, I think. Um, Because he came in at like 350, and apparently rumors were that he got up to 370 at one point in high school. Mm -hmm. And now he, like at spring game, he was down to like 330. His goal was 315, according to the commentators. commentators. Um, And he's just something else. So... I mean, he's just like running over like like the most experienced offensive lineman. Um, he's a freshman, and uh, he squatted six hundred pounds. He was thirty five pounds less than the senior D lineman who had the team record. Yeah, that's I I I can't even wrap my head around that. So, and I know this podcast is kind of going everywhere, but that's just kind of. The structure, because we're going to go into a lot more detail in a lot of this stuff over like the next couple weeks. This is just kind of a good primer um, as we go into that. But watching, well, first off, I'm really glad these coaches are all over social media now. It actually like gives us something to do. Um, But Joey Carnes was putting up videos of the players doing their their lifts for like their one rep max day. Yeah. Henry Mondo, uh, Henry, Henry Mondo. Oh my god. Did 635 pounds. And so I, what I is, watched that video and I just wanted to run through a brick wall. So what's what's impressive about this that you don't see on other schools stuff is that these guys are going to just above parallel, which is really where you want to be when you're doing a one rep max because like just above parallel is like a good where you can really judge strength but not have any it is it isn't a more dangerous exercise than it needs to be basically Mm -hmm. meanwhile royce freeman knocks out 600 pounds sand belt like yeah like at or just a little below parallel without a belt which is absurd like you want to have a belt when you're doing one rep maxes it helps it helps so much you can literally add like 50 pounds to your squat and he does it without a belt and he just did it like he didn't even look hard for him <laughs> just not not a problem yeah exactly and then Tyrell Crosby looked fine he power cleaned like 375 pounds whatever no big deal so and what's interesting too that I saw is that Scott Pagano the transfer from Clemson mm-hmm is projected to be a defensive end and not a defensive tackle where many people thought he would be coming in. Which is very interesting. So Bill C's kind of going back to Bill C, his projection has Oregon at eight wins. That seems generous. Which is where Vegas has the season over under at. Right at eight. Which is, to me pretty absurd I mean let's say let's say you give like every questionable game like Stanford and Washington as much as I would like to win those games they're realistically not going to happen mm-hmm. but you know Cal is going to be probably the worst team in the conference Arizona Arizona State are bad teams um, you get Southern Utah I mean, I think seven wins is doable. Eight is, like, ideal. Yeah. I mean, just on the the surface without much 
you know, without any research into the opponents, uh, you know, figure wins at Southern Utah. Uh, let's, for just argument's sake, let's say Nebraska doesn't go well. We'll give a, we'll take Wyoming, take Arizona State three, California's four, uh, four. Yeah, eight's a stretch. That's the way I'm looking at it. Right. It's doable, but it's a stretch. Yeah, and with a lot of these, it's like with UCLA, Utah, um, Washington State. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily know how those games are going to pan out. Like UCLA, who knows at this point? Utah is... Well, I don't even know about Utah. They were supposed to beat... If there was one team that would have given Oregon problems last year, it would have been Utah. And for some reason, that just did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of... Like, almost all these games are winnable. Maybe an outside shot, but realistically, there is like a 25-30% chance of some of these, which is enough, I think. Um, yeah. I, I think realistically we're probably in the six to seven win realm. And then, you know, if things, things go, I, I think realistically six wins, I think if a couple of those games that, you know, could fall either way, go in our direction, then that's how you get to eight. But, you know, I, I don't think it's more than eight. I think it's more like six, uh-huh. which again would be fine. I'll, you know, yeah, I, I will that. go, I'll go happily attend the New Mexico Bowl. Or the Las Vegas Bowl. Oh, that'd be even better. If we go to the Las, <laughs> we go to Las Vegas Bowl. We're, we go to the Las Vegas Bowl, we're doing, we're doing Sling and Quack live from poolside. <laughs> yeah. With, with special guest Bill Walton. Oh my gosh. I would pay to do a podcast with Bill Walton. And really, that just means we're paying for... Um, we're basically just paying for him to talk to a microphone for an hour. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just Bill Walton's life, so it wouldn't be any different. Yeah. One of my favorite memories from this last year is when uh, one of the ESPN ways to watch the national title game, it comes back from a commercial and Bill Walton is dressed up as Uncle Sam and he's going off on how marijuana is like a class one drug or something. Yeah. <laughs> and Jay Bios just could not have wanted to be anywhere else in the world more than at that moment. Uh, they, I, I, I just, I, I, I want to, I want to be a fly on the wall in those, you know, negotiations. We're like, all right, we're going to put you in a room with Bill Walton for four, for five hours. <laughs> What uh, you're yeah. gonna double double my salary before we talk? Yeah. All right. One of the things I want to cover too is recruiting. So right now, uh, well, basically, Oregon. Well, if you're if you're living under a rock, Oregon came up with like the number 19 recruiting class that was put together in like six weeks, basically. Um, after a four and eight season. And there were some yeah. real, real players in it. Like Thomas Graham came in early, crushed it. Uh, and then there's still Lenore, who's like the number one athlete who hasn't come in yet. Um, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot. I think especially on defense, we're going to see a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing in the next two years. 
Oh, absolutely. I think if there's one side of the ball that has a lot of... If, if there's one group that has the most issues, it's the front seven on defense. Like, Troy Dye is a baller. A couple other people are really coming out. And it's just like... I feel good about like a lot of these guys but it's just the depth below it is where we just we just don't know mm-hmm. and the defensive seven as a whole defensive front seven as a whole is really it is so difficult to really judge how they are as a group because like injuries happen but there were so many injuries last year to that unit and there was just like no consistency week to week of who was playing uh hoke based from what I've read of other college football coaches writing, uh, had terrible game plans going into games, which doesn't... which is makes sense based on what we were watching. Um, but I think that's where we're going to see some of the biggest boosts. And, I mean, we have a four-star outside linebacker coming from Hawaii. We have like the best recruit out of Colorado, who's an outside linebacker projected to come. Um, so, and right now, Oregon has like the number seven recruiting class. Is that it? Yeah, I think I saw on on Scout. I think they were at number eight for twenty eighteen. That's and crazy. so that's just that's just Willie Taggart working his magic. Yeah, and it's tough to really make an estimate at this point because it's July um, and we're we're still like February is a long ways away but right now this recruiting class is just absolutely crazy yeah so, I mean I'm telling you it's just it's it's entirely his you know Willie Taggart's personality and swagger oh, sure. has them like I mean, I don't even I don't even play football. And if he came to me and said, "Hey, come play for us," I'd be like, "Sure, I like you." Like he's just you know from from the moment he got introduced at his press conference, I was like, I was like, this guy's gonna like we're not gonna be good next year. We might be average the year after that, but give him like give him his time here so he can like fully develop his recruiting classes yeah and we're gonna turn some heads like yeah it it's it's what needed to happen you know the whole you know out with the old in with the new just completely dump everything from that season and just literally start fresh you know um right you're just, you know, and that was, you You saw, like, when he was in his introductory press conference, he was like, he's like, ah, I'm antsy, I want to get out of here, I want to start recruiting. Like, you know, he's just so eager to get out there. And I remember, like, how excited people were getting, not even when we were getting commits, but just when we learned that they were sending offers to people. Mm-hmm. Like, that anything was happening and we were getting excited excited about it and so i think with this 2018 class we're finally gonna like we're really gonna start to see like the true results like the 2017 class you can't really you know that that's such a a unique scenario because yeah like you said you put it together in six weeks off of a horrible season like 
the fact that it was ranked as high as it was was miraculous. Um, so, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, those are going to be the years that, like, it'll be really interesting. And, and it's all going to be stuff that, you know, we probably won't be able to, you know, to judge until we get into the next decade. And it's always kind of fun to, like, look back at recruiting classes from, like, three or four years ago and seeing, like, okay, like, what actually panned out? Yeah. So I'll be, like, super intrigued to, like, 2022 look back at the 2018 class and be like, okay, how'd that work out? Yeah. So right now, there are nine four-star committed. We have nine four-star athletes committed. That's absurd. And then uh, one of them, a tight end, is projected to get a fourth star, which apparently... There's this whole committee that votes on them and everything, which is, I don't know. This whole recruiting thing just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. Like, this whole circus around it. Yeah. Like I mean, I, you know, we, we've talked about this before. I, I personally, I keep a very loose eye on it just to have a general idea on what's going on. But I, I will never, like devote the time to recruiting that some of these people do it's their kids they're picking where they're going to college let them be like it you know i, I it makes me uncomfortable all the just the entire culture around the industry it, yeah 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 i, I don't know if, if, if you're listening to this you're a reasonable reasonable person to begin with so I know you're not tweeting at recruits. But if you know somebody who tweets at recruits, tell them to knock it off. <laughs> Stop it. Get yeah. some help. Yeah, just knock it off. Who can, like who cares? There's a few players that I've been like checking in on just because I see them come up continually. And it's like, so-and-so has Oregon in the top four. I'm like, okay, all right, let me just... This is a position that we need help with or whatever. And Chase Coda is out of like Medford, Oregon. Chad Coda's son, who is a famous safety at Oregon who wouldn't play in the NFL. He's a four-star wide receiver. He said, he, I think he'll play wide receiver in college. And if he doesn't come to Oregon, we got problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is, that is, uh, but like, one of my friends texted me, he's like, he just put out his top ten. Uh, like, he just put out his top, no, it was like his top eight. And that was after his top ten and his top twelve. It's like, I bet this kid is just loving recruiting. Oh yeah, and you know nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's like, sure, live it up. Why not? So, but it's just like there's so much hoopla about like people posting like top tens and stuff. It's just crazy. So, having said that, uh, Oregon is ranked number eight right now. Ohio State's one, Miami's two. This is according to twenty four seven. Penn State three, Texas, Tennessee, LSU, Florida State. And then following Oregon is Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Florida, Clemson, USC, Texas A&M, UCLA, Virginia Tech, Kentucky, Washington, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi State, Nebraska, TCU, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, North is like number 25. So, I mean, there's really, I don't think, any stock that can really get put into this. Uh, like, for example, Purdue has a higher ranking than Alabama right now. according to these polls. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like you can't. It's it's way too early to actually put stock into it. Yeah, Kansas is thirty-seven. So I mean, the takeaway from this is that Willie Taggart and these guys are crushing it so far. Mm-hmm. So far, they are crushing it. Um, the the biggest. I guess concern of mine is looking at just some of the distribution of positions, which is really kind of what I look at. Is we sent a lot of like five seven guys this last year, like five seven five nine guys. Once they sign out, we'll take a look. But a lot of shorter guys, a lot of burners at receiver, and looks like we got some more receivers and defensive backs coming in. We need some guys in the trenches. That's why I'm super excited about the offensive line coach and the defensive line coach, just to bring in some buffet busters to play on the line. Yeah. Um, Because that's really what separates those top teams from the others, like Clemson's defensive line or, you know, Alabama's offensive line or their front seven. Just like, just football is really game played from the inside out when you get down to it. So, I think the 2019 season is going to be the real, like, all right, we're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's when I've, I've always kind of said it's, uh, I think, I really hope that, and, and I think that this will be the case, but I really hope that everyone has, the fans and the athletic department has the patience to, give you know just give willie taggart his time to you know turn this program around and i think that three year i think that get you know give him two full seasons and then yeah like 2019 2020 is i think when we're really going to start to see the results of the turnaround so Mm -hmm. it's all about patience yeah, and I don't even think this is going to be something where it's like we're going to suck for like a few years. Like, no, oh, I, we're I going think we're two wins. We're probably going to get six wins this year. Yeah, I think we're going to be mediocre for the next couple of years, and um, yeah, I think average this year above average next year, and then the year after that's where it's going to get serious. Yeah, I, I think we go like six six wins this year, eight the next year, and then like that's when you can look at like 10 11 the year after that yeah it's gonna be exciting i'm i'm excited too to go into a season with like no expectations yeah it's kind of fun isn't it yeah it's like a drain to like i think that was the the hardest pill to swallow about last year was just like it was like getting hit by a train that nobody saw coming and yeah. it just like the seat like it you know halfway through the season it just it wasn't even fun anymore like watching games was just turned into a chore but i think it'll be this year it's like okay you know if we win great if you know if not so be it but i just want a little progress not a lot just a little yeah i definitely think we're going to see that i'm excited for this season as much as the football season kind of snuck up on me which i'm still surprised by but uh any closing comments uh august is near and saturday night live is near yeah saturday night live is uh saturday 
Oh yeah, yeah. So if you're expecting... in the if you're in the Oregon area, uh, biggest recruiting event in history in the school, uh, Austin Stadium, 4 p.m. Get there at three. Uh, it should be a dandy of a time. I think they said like, like they have like 40 recruits invited or something. I don't understand how it's going to work out though. I know nothing about the event other than they're just gathering recruits and. Other than they're all going to hang out. Like. For two hours. Like, I, I'm not yeah. sure exactly what to expect out of this. And I can't find <laughs> I, any details online and it's infuriating. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not, is this like a, like a, like a midnight madness type mania setup? Is this like a, let's all go have a barbecue together? Or, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm expecting to get like four commitments after the weekend is probably what's going to happen. And then we're all going to get super jacked about recruiting again. And we're going to carry that into the season. And then, you know, football happens. And we have some substantial things to talk about. Like some tangible ah, things. That would be so great. We can stop with the hypotheticals and like, mm, this might happen. This is likely to happen. I think this is unlikely. Like, this did so. happen. Yeah. Like, all right. Uh, well, the good news is... Also, I was thinking about this the other day. So I was watching the spring game because I was bored. Uh, just watching some cut-ups of it. And... I feel like one of the things that could be absolutely infuriating this year is all the pulling guards um, and some of the jet sweeps. It's basically, it can take a little bit of time for some of those plays to develop. And it could easily be infuriating if we have like a few plays that just get stuffed at the line mm-hmm. because it's taking so long for guys to be pulling around and everything. Like... That could be something we are we are not ready for as fans of like the power O just seeing like Royce just run into a wall a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think we're prepared uh, for no, that yet. No. no, can't handle that. So oh, one last thing. I want to cover this before. So Travis Johnson is gone. Backup quarterback is gone. And then Terry Wilson also departed. So right now our backup is a true freshman. Who enrolled early, so that's positive. And then Taylor Alley, who can run, not the best passer, though. So Herbert is like, like, he has to stay healthy. I don't know how many quarterback runs we can do, like we can realistically have. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that'll be a big thing. Um, Yeah, we've we've seen in the past what happens when you don't have confidence in your starting quarterback or it's not working out and you have to go through this never ending carousel. And it just, I mean, you need stability in a lot of places on your team, but quarterback is the one place where it's not negotiable. Yeah. And I think unless he's like the number one overall recruit or something like that. Yeah. So, but you know, how often do like Marcus Mario just come around? Like never. Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. Cool. And we already had him, and now we're moving on with our lives. And it's gone. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. So, uh, feels good to be back. Feels good. Feels good. 
We're back. So we got a lot of content coming up on Addicted to Quack. Check it out. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm writing a lot more now that I'm like a little bit more removed from one of the most grueling tests I've ever had to prepare for. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Football is coming up so quickly. I'm really excited about it. Uh, And we will talk to you guys probably again next week with some conference predictions.